0: In this podcast, I want to draw you a picture of a marriage in trouble. Sometimes the best way to communicate something is just to draw a picture. And so what I've done is I have an infographic in this article that I want to share with you. And it would help you to look at the infographic if you wish to. I would love for you to do that. If you want to look for the article on our website, well, it'll be, be easy to do. I just gave you the title of it. The title of it is Let Me Draw You a Picture of a Marriage in Trouble. The best marriages are those where, and this is what I want to talk about. This is my prop statement, basically. The best marriages are those where the distinct uniqueness of each partner works in a beautiful symmetry that enhances each person's strengths and weaknesses. Those are the best marriages. What you have is a man with strengths, And he has weaknesses. And then you have a woman. Guess what? She has strengths and she has weaknesses. And the best marriages are those where the distinct uniqueness of that man and that woman, they work in a beautiful symmetry where they enhance each other's strengths and weaknesses. Enhance, make the strengths better. And then they fill in the gaps where the weaknesses or the deficits are. But the opposite is also true. The worst marriages are those partners who do not know how to help the other person to mature into the best Christ-like versions of themselves. And so I want to talk about how to work through this. Your spouse is unique. There is nobody on earth that is like him or her. Your spouse has strengths. Your spouse has weaknesses. And if you're not careful, you can make a couple of significant mistakes. You can be arrogant and self-righteous about your strengths as you look down on your spouse who doesn't have what you have. And that is so awful because, as Paul says, what have you received that was not given to you? And so having that Pharisee in the temple view as you look down on that publican man or woman there, that is an awful perspective to have, and so you can be overly focused on your strengths as you're condescending towards your spouse, or the weakness of the spouse can be so frustrating to you that you're not just arrogant and self-righteous, but you're also frustrated because he just can't get it together. But there is a way that these two unique, distinct individuals can, can come together And that they can work for God's fame, for their benefit, and they can have a blessed marriage. Now, of course, I have an infographic here. And it is common. I have been doing this for a long time now. I like to say that I am an old man because I am an old man. And I enjoy, I've never enjoyed, I don't know if I've ever enjoyed life as much as I enjoy it now. I like being an old man. But if you have ever met with me for counseling, More than likely, you would walk away with a few pictures, or a few sketches is what they are. For years, I have kept a stack of printed paper on my desk, which I use to sketch spiritual concepts. Back in the beginning, before the Lord created the iPad, I learned to write upside down. And so I would sit across from someone, and I would sketch out these words and stick figures, Uh, It'd be upside down to me, but the person that that I was talking to, that I was helping at the moment, uh, they could see it right side up, and it was a way of visually articulating some of the concepts in Scripture, because the truth is, a picture is worth a thousand words, as you know, and so if you could put it down on paper, then they would visually have these great concepts that they could reflect upon days and weeks later. In fact, I was doing a conference four years ago, and a lady walked up at the conference with a stack of papers in her hand. And she said, she introduced herself and said, Here are the, the sketches that you drew for me, however long it was ago that I had met with her, and I didn't remember. Uh, but she showed me the pictures and they were the, the sketches on printing paper, and there was no question that, that those sketches uh, were mine. The reason I do this is because that's what Jesus did. Jesus the master illustrator was accomplished in this method of teaching others. He used illustrations to take a person from the concrete practical to the abstract spiritual. And you really want to you want to practice this because sometimes it's hard to grasp spiritual concepts and when you can visualize it and sketch it out and draw it out that way, it can really shed some light on some hard things that people need to see. Jesus used real-life examples to communicate lofty, God-focused truths. He would draw in the sand in John 8. He would point to the sky in Matthew 6 to make God's truths come alive in the minds of his hearers. He used hair, he used lilies, he used birds, he used fig trees. I imagine the time spent with Jesus was visually stimulating and spiritually refreshing. For those of you who do discipleship, those of you who do counseling, I couldn't appeal to you in more a, more, a stronger way uh, than to practice this art form, this skill of communicating your truths visually. Because every discipleship opportunity provides more information offered than what a person can retain. And that's something that you want to be careful. You always want to remember this. It is wise to take advantage of the eye and the ear gates, plus give them some things to take home for further review. And again, I've been doing this ever since the beginning. And I don't know why. I don't know how. Maybe it was just feeling the uh, the pressure, feeling the burden of helping people and just, just having this strong desire of wanting them to be able to capture these truths somehow. I just, this idea came to me and I just started, it just, I started sketching, sketching things out. And then the Lord invented the iPad. And when he did, I transitioned from the old school printer paper method to the new school electronic method. I started sketching biblical truths on my iPad while projecting them on an external monitor so my counselee could see them. And so in my office, I would hook my iPad up to an external monitor. I'm sitting over here in my chair. I'm drawing with my pencil on the iPad. They're looking at the screen and they're seeing these truths. It's like it's almost like a classroom setting where you're drawing on the whiteboard in front of the whole class. But this is an intimate setting in an office. And just sitting there drawing and and sketching out these things. And then after the counseling session, I would turn the sketches into PDF files. And I would email them to the counselee so they would have a visual walkthrough of our counseling time together. And it would not be unusual for them to have 15 files, 15 pieces of paper, 15 concepts drawn out. And then later, what I would do is I would transform the sketch into an infographic. And I would place it on our website, this website, rickthomas.net. And that is what the infographic is in this article. The infographic, like all the other infographics, came from a counseling moment. In this case, with this one, it came from a a couple who came to me for help. Now, I will say this. I don't remember (laughs) any longer... Who the couple was that I was meeting with. And of course, it doesn't matter because that's not the point of this podcast, the article, or the infographic. Now, if you go on our website, we do have an infographic page, and I have more than 100, way more than 100 of these infographics on a page that you can look at. And it's again, it's just visually uh, uh, describing or illustrating some kind of spiritual truth and so if you want to look at this infographic please do it the title of the podcast let me draw you a picture of a marriage in trouble now i'm going to describe this to you in the podcast hopefully you'll be able uh, to see it well in your mind but again you can look at it if you want so if you look at the infographic what you'll see is it, it is there is a heart and the heart is divided. It has a zaggy, zigzaggy line right down the middle. And so one side of the heart is is red, and then on the other side of the zigzaggy line, it is it is yellow. And what it shows is that the heart is divided. And but it shows the, and then written over it, written over the heart, are the three words, become one flesh. And so what you have is a heart, Part of Half of it's red, half of it's yellow, and then stamped over it are the words, become one flesh. Now that is the goal of marriage, but as you can see in your mind, there is a division in their one flesh union, and that's the way it is. When you come together with your spouse and you become one flesh, it doesn't mean that you are singular in every possible way because that's not true. You're unique individuals. And so before marriage, they were individuals, but after making a covenant, they were supposed to begin the lifelong journey toward more in-depth one-fleshness, and that is the goal. I mean, think about it like when you were dating, or before you were dating, you didn't know each other. You were as far apart as you could possibly be. And then at some point in time, you met, and so now you are aware of each other, but you're still separated. You date for a while, and you get closer and closer and closer together. And then eventually you become married, and you become one flesh. But what happens is you're still two people in this one flesh, and so you're continuing this process until you... And really, it's a, it's a 50, 60-year process where you can totally assimilate into each other. And so then at the bottom of the page, we have the husband and the wife... And the wife is in her uniqueness, and the husband is in his uniqueness. And in the mysteriousness of this one-flesh relationship, they allow both of their strengths and both of their weaknesses to assimilate into the beauty of Christ and his church. Now that is ideal. That is what should happen And so the husband is bringing strengths and weaknesses into the marriage, and the wife is bringing strengths and weaknesses into the marriage, and they form this one flesh union. There's still division there. There's still uniqueness there, and they have to learn how to assimilate. Now, of course, we know... Uh, that sometimes instead of assimilating, instead of blending into one another, we tend to bounce off each other, you know, like two magnets turned the opposite way where we are repelled from each other because our strengths and weaknesses are antithetical and sin creates a division that we cannot bring together. Now, here's the question. What is the point? What is the point of what I'm communicating with you? Well, the problem with a marriage like this where they can't assimilate, where they can't blend into one fleshness, for this podcast, in this article here, is that the husband wants his wife to be more like him rather than both of them pursuing a biblical reflection of Christ and his church. You see, the church is not like Christ, and Christ is not like the church, not in totality. Christ is unique. Of course, he is perfect. He's everything that we know him to be and the church. Well, we can be a mess, of course. But the goal is for us to come together, continue to form into Christ-likeness so we can truly have a, a unity that transcends anything that we know on earth. And so when a marriage comes together, they want to emulate that. But of course, sin is the great divider. And some husbands and wives, they have a hard time doing that. And in this illustration, in this podcast, it's the husband who, who looks at his wife and she really wants his wife, he really wants his wife to be more like him rather than a biblical reflection of Christ in the church of working together toward unity. His general attitude and practice toward her, it places pressure on her to conform to his wishes. It is the classic marriage problem of a husband expecting his wife to adapt to his strengths rather than helping her to mature according to how the Lord has gifted her. Do you know how to do that? Now, by the way, this goes for the wife as well. You know, sometimes wives, you would think that some wives want their husbands to be like their best girlfriends rather than understanding that the husband is unique, he is a man. And we see that in our culture all the time, where our culture is trying to effeminize men to where it's just taboo to be masculine. And many Christian women think this well this way as well because they do not know how to appreciate what a man really is and how to leverage his assets for the beauty of the marriage. But in this case, this classic marriage problem, a husband is expecting his wife to adapt to his strengths rather than helping her to mature according to how the Lord has gifted her. Rather than seeing and leveraging their differences for something magnificent, He is removing their differences while demanding her to assimilate to a marriage made in his image. Now, let me give you a few practical examples of how this is working out in my fictional story. He likes organization. He's an organized dude, but she is not. And so he demands her to be an organized person, but that is not her gifting. He's trying to adapt her into an image made like him But that is not who she is. He's punctual. He's Captain Anility when it comes to being on time. Guess what? She's not. And when she's late again or can't get it together again, he rails on her for not being like him on time. Third illustration, he does not excel at being social while she is a social butterfly. Guess what? He squeezes the social life out of her by isolating from others, and they live in their silo. This is a marriage that's gone to a bad place. Rather than seeing the specialness of his wife and leveraging those differences for something magnificent, he is squeezing the life out of her. Now again, just one more time to repeat this, you wives, you apply this to yourself as well. Don't try to make your husband into your girlfriend or what you want Understand what your husband is and, and learn learn to appreciate the differences and to use those differences uh, to become something greater than you could ever be on your own. He is a man with strengths and weaknesses, but he cannot see how his wife's abilities could be some of his greatest assets. Oh, could we see this in our spouses? Rather than complaining for who they are and how they are, seeing them and what God has given them and how God has made them as a huge asset that can make us much better than we could ever be alone. And rather than leveraging her gifts to make him a better man, what he does is he masks his weaknesses while draining the life out of her strengths. And typically what should happen here is that where she is strong and where he is weak, well, he should allow her strength to pour into his weaknesses to fill him up because he's not what she is. If he repented, he would be more open about where he fails while seeking help from his wife to fill in those gaps where he's incomplete. You see, Adam was missing a rib guess who was the perfect person to make him whole? There was a rib out there and Adam needed one. Turn it around, there was a rib out there that needed a body. Eve needed something that she did not possess. And so they brought their strengths and weaknesses together and it was a beautiful thing. The key to success in the one flesh life is when two people are willing to humble themselves through many conversations where they can talk about their strengths and weaknesses. Their goal is to make the most out of their strengths while transforming their shortcomings. Stable marriages have a God-centered mission in view. Their main aim is to come together to form a greater oneness, to make God's name fantastically great in all the context in which they, which they live. The gospel should train us that we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to hide. We have nothing to protect. And because of that, we can be vulnerable and weak before each other. And we can bring our weaknesses before our wives. And we can talk about their strengths and how their strengths can make us more than we could ever be by ourselves. And then wives can do the same thing. Now, I realize this is easier said than done because if you don't have an environment of grace in your home that is conducive for this conversation, then this podcast and this article is a bridge too far right now. You can't get there from here if you don't have that environment of grace. If one of you are wound too tight around the axle, one or two of you struggle with fear of man... If, if one of you have been harsh toward the other person, that other person is not going to be vulnerable about, re- about revealing their weaknesses. And so you have a lot of work to do before you can ever get to this place to where you can have these many conversations where you can talk about your strengths and weaknesses. And the reason I'm sharing this podcast with you is because Lucia and I have lived through this we didn't know each other obviously before we were dating we were as far apart as we could possibly be and then we met and we were a little bit closer and then we started dating and we got closer and closer and closer and then we got married and uh, I, in fact i've shared this before but the week before our marriage uh, lucia's best friend from it goes all the way back to middle school her name is barbie she lives in kansas now and Barbie came here. She was part of the... She was in our wedding. And so Barbie was here the week before. And I was working at the time during the day. And Lucia took some time off before the wedding. And she was moving her stuff into my house. And Barbie was helping her. <laughs> and uh, Barbie walked into to my walk-in closet. I'd been living there, uh, let's see, from 95... i I've been living there for two years. And so it was my house. <laughs> it was my closet had my stuff in it and lucia didn't have anything in it and so lucia's bringing her stuff in barbie's helping her barbie goes into my bedroom she walks into my closet and she sees she comes out of the closet and she asks lucia she said lucia are you sure about this <laughs> are, you, are you sure you want to marry this guy and lucia's lucia's a little bit perplexed why, why you asked? he said well i just walked in his closet have you seen his closet you see, in my closet, all of my hangers are the same color. They're all burgundy because there were sell-on burgundy hangers. I'm not particularly into burgundy. They're all hanging the same way. They're all hooked the same way over the rail. Uh, all the clothes were in gradations of colors. So the, there were and uh, size sleeve size. So there were short sleeve T-shirts in gradations from white to whatever color. They're all in order. Uh, there were short sleeve shirts, dress shirts, polos, and such, uh, also in gradations. And then there were long-sleeved shirts, whites in colors, and then there were a couple of suits. And so Barbie's looking at this organized closet, and she knows my, my soon-to-be-blessed wife. that <laughs> That's not her skill set. Uh, Lucia can work. Uh, She could work in a trash dump, actually, and and just be an amazing success because she's not frustrated. Uh, She's not an overcomplicated person, and she can work under most any conditions. Uh, I am Captain Anility, and I have to have everything organized and straightened out and dusted and, and everything in order and neat before I can ever function. I can't function. I don't function well in confusion, and so barbie had known lucia for a long time by that point for well over a decade and she walks into my closet knowing her love her beloved friend it's like lucia are you sure you want to marry him and so what i'm saying here is that we've had to work through a few things in our marriage i have strengths I have weaknesses, Lucia has strengths, she has weaknesses, and if we're not careful, the two will never meet. And that's how this idea came to me, and it was years ago. And one of the things that I perceived about Lucia is her administrative gifting. I've often said that she could run a small third world country. She has the gift of administration, and it would make me a fool to drain that strength from her Fanning the flame of her gifting has released me to use my strengths in other areas, which permits us to magnify God more profoundly than what either one of us could do individually. She has other strengths too, as I've shared in other podcasts that I'm i'm an introvert by nature i prefer quietness i prefer the back seat i don't care about leading i don't have to be up front i don't desire to be up front don't desire to be on stage i have i've often said that i can spend the rest of my life in a corner of a room reading a book But then the Lord introduced me to the gospel, and the gospel had another notion. The gospel is outward and outgoing. The gospel is social. The gospel is other-centered. The gospel was agitating me. Then knowing that I need some help, well, the Lord in His mercy gave me a social butterfly. And so I told Lucia years ago, I want you uh, to run our calendars. I want you to set the the social pace in our calendar, and that's what she has done. Rather than draining her strengths and her gifts from her by putting her in a silo and not socializing with anybody, it was using her strengths for God's fame and for the betterment of me specifically, but us collectively too. Fanning the flame of her gifting has released me to use my strengths and then I bring a little bit to the party, but not much, not as much as she does, but working together... There's a spousal prayer. It's not written as a spousal prayer, but I love this verse so much, and so I call it a spousal prayer. Psalm 34 2. It's a short sentence. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. That's not a marriage prayer, but it's something that you want to say. To your wife, wife is something. You want to get to this place in your marriage where you can say this to your husband. Let us magnify. Will you magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together? You can do that if you can set aside arrogance and self-righteousness. This is the way I am and I have something that you don't. But using that, pouring that into your spouse to give them more than they could ever be without you, but then also letting them bring their gifting to your life and pouring their gifting into you so you could be more than you could ever be without your spouse. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. The title of this podcast and the article on the website, Let Me Draw You a Picture, of a marriage in trouble. I would encourage you to look at this infographic, and then I want you to answer this question. These two questions, is is your marriage, this is not the question, but this is the the pre-question. Is your marriage mature enough? Are you all mature enough to where you could sit down at your kitchen table and you can talk about these two things that I'm gonna ask you. Number one, what are a few of your spouse's strengths Would you sit down and write out out five? Let's just go with five. What are five of your spouse's strengths? And here's the follow-up question. Uh, There's two questions to this first question. Biblical counselors do this a lot. They ask you a question. I got a question for you. And then they have three more questions with that question. And so question number one is, what are a few of your spouse's strengths? Write out five of them. And then the follow-up, how are you helping your spouse to use those strengths? Is your marriage stable enough where you can have this conversation to where you won't hurt one another, you won't bite and devour one another? One of you is not oversensitive, wrapped around the, uh, wrapped around the axle. One struggles with fear of man. One has this uh, hostility this low-grade anger toward the other, that you can't have this kind of civil, redemptive conversation? What are a few of your spouse's strengths and how are you helping your spouse to use them? Question number two, what are a few of your weaknesses? As you address the log in your eye, you want to write out two or three of your weaknesses, areas where you just need some help. You should be able to do better than this. You should have enough self-awareness that you are able to write out 10 of your weaknesses. And then the follow-up question, how are you allowing, permitting your spouse to enter into your weaknesses so your marriage can be stronger? This podcast can really revolutionize your marriage. It could change it in radical ways, and God could be his fame, His fame can be spread so far and wide. You could benefit so profoundly and you could have impact on so many other lives because I suspect that most of the marriages that you know, they cannot sit down at the kitchen table or wherever. And talk about these two basic questions that I ask. If you want to read the podcast, let me draw you a picture of a marriage in trouble. It is really short. I would encourage you to do that. Peruse the infographic. I have embedded articles here that you can read as well. And then always, we want to make this offer. We want you to talk to us. We want you to share your concerns and questions and Let us serve you. It would be our joy. It would be our privilege to do that. That is what we are all about. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.